to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussions of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? I am well. Excellent, excellent. And I, I assume uh, your co-host Dan is as well, because he won our Super Bowl in our fantasy football league? Mm, that has nothing to do with this podcast. I know, I know, but, but like you're being an ass. Well, I, I lost too, right? I came in third. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, you came in the basement. I'm pretty close. Sorry, I had to Yeah, it was a bad year for me. Yeah. Uh, and in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I am fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? Good. Excellent. Uh, for folks who are curious, uh, New listeners or old, uh, what we do here is we record uh, and talk about movies. So sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, outhouse, midnight movies, uh, uh, cult films, drive-in theater, foreign language, outhouse, and whatnot. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, Also, uh, we do have a website which is www.darkdiscussions.com. We also do have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com. You also can go to www.darkdiscussions.com and choose the Contact Us email link, and that will also uh, give you an email box that pops up, and you can type in the email you want through the box as well. So there's two ways to do it. Uh, Eric, what else can people find on DrDiscussions.com, the website? Well, they can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like us. Producing this show is not free. Uh, we have to pay for things like web hosting and domain names and computer equipment and movie rentals and so on and so forth. Uh, so if you'd like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. We greatly appreciate any and all contributions. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the Q1 of uh, 2023, we're going to uh, actually do uh, at least one, maybe two of the... Are you sure? Uh, well, it looks like January. We're already booked up, but February and March, maybe. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, even though a lot of good movies are coming up quick, so we're gonna we'll have to figure it out, uh, including Cocaine Bear. That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Best film. Ever. Um, uh, let's see what else. Um, uh, we do want to um, give condolences to the Heckle family. Uh, Travis Heckle, uh, one of our original and longtime listeners, he's the uh, individual that gave us the art for Dark Discussions podcast. So when you go and download or listen to the episodes through Stitcher or wherever uh, the little icon you see, that's the art by Travis. Uh, Travis's dog Mia uh, passed away uh, just uh, the past week. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, we want to uh, 
uh, give our condolences to uh, the Heckle family. So a loved one uh, passes. It's always a, a, a sad thing. Um, also, uh, what else do we want to discuss? Uh, today is our first podcast of the year. Uh, it's January 5th, 2023. Uh, some of our listeners, like Pam, are always curious about uh, when we do record episodes, because sometimes the episodes do not come out uh, immediately the week after they're recorded. Um, but this one will probably sometimes come Sometimes two years later. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's happened a couple speaking, of times. Speaking of which, Phil, uh, our last one you did get out immediately, um, and uh, Mr. Watson has already listened to it and let me know he he appreciated your noticing his absence from social media. Ah, very good. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we do miss uh, Mr. Watson on social media, but we honestly can't blame him either. Yeah, it's it's garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, um, we can always con- I can always contact him through instant message and stuff like that. Garbage. Yeah, it's all garbage. Social media garbage. Um, so yes, yes, I'm glad that uh, he's already begun listening to it because I know uh, uh, the episode of our bucket list uh, is generally an uh, episode that a lot of people enjoy, um, and uh, he must have started listening to it almost immediately because it was really yeah. Like around one or something today, one p.m. So yeah, um, I know he's three hours behind us. So, um, but still, that's not long ago. Um, all right. So if we do have any news or um, what we've been watching or things of that nature, we will uh, talk about it at the end of the episode. Uh, this episode, uh, we do not have uh, our Patreon ready, so we'll do the Patreon. On our next episode, uh, the new pick, uh, see what our listeners uh, have chosen by um, the list of movies that they've given us to uh, uh, randomly go through and hope that they have a film they enjoy picked uh, that may not be on our bucket list to uh, talk about. Uh, But we'll do that next week. So I think we can probably get into our topic tonight. So, uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about a film that was originally released in theaters in July. Uh, we didn't do it then for some reason. I can't remember what happened, but I'm sure it's Phil's fault. Uh, <laughs> it's, the latest film from, it's the latest film from writer-director Jordan Peele called Nope. Did you know that the very first assembly of photograph to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pitchers could move, he had skin in the game.
wasn't by a miracle. They got work for that. Uh, that's right. Uh, the film is Nope. Uh, Jordan Peele uh, wrote and directed the film as well as co-produced it. Uh, the film, as Eric mentioned, did come out in July of 2022, at least in the United States, uh, by Universal Pictures. Uh, not sure why we didn't do it. I, I think it, uh, yeah, it probably was my fault, Eric. Because I, <laughs> I could not get to theaters. I didn't get to theaters much during during the summer for some reason. Um, but either way, uh, the film stars Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Think the liquor. Kalua, ah, from like Mexico. Well, uh, they had the Y at the end. Kalua. Yeah, 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 it's a little spelled a little different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yen, uh, Michael Wincott, Brandon Perea, and uh, a nice little cameo by Keith David. Uh, the film is a fairly long film, an hour and thirty minutes. Uh, budget of sixty-eight million, and it appears that it grossed one hundred seventy-one million. No, it's it's like two hundred six. Okay, yeah, it says running time here, 130. 90 minutes would be a shorter film. It says running time is 130 minutes. I thought you said 90 minutes, okay. I, I don't know what I said. I thought I said 130, but either way, that's a, a, a longer film, yeah. It's over two hours. Um, the film uh, has received uh, mostly positive reviews. Uh, I think around uh, 80% or 78% or 82%, somewhere in there. Um, and it's the third... Film of note, anyway, uh, by us here at Dark Discussions because he did uh, get out and us prior um, and uh, whatnot. So uh, we will uh, talk about that film tonight. So we'll go around how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, let's start with you, Barrett. Yeah, I really like this film. Um, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, was it as good as Get Out? Nope. <laughs> um, it was good. Uh, it's a monster flick, I think. Uh, that's what I would designate it as. It's a little wacky, and I like that about it. Um, I actually liked it better than Us, I think. Um, but generally, I thought it was well done and the acting was really well done all right sounds good uh eric what do you got um i heard about this on social media people started going gaga after the first teaser trailer was released uh i didn't actually watch it but people were posting about it for about 24 hours straight um so yeah i'm, I'm gonna go see the new jordan peele for sure excuse me <coughs> sorry about that um, so yeah, uh, I, I went to see it. Um, initially when I saw this in the theater, I left a little confused. Um, I had some questions, so, uh, I went home and 
did a little Googling. Um, there was actually, uh, I was fairly confused about the presence of one um, storyline that didn't seem to be related to anything else. Um, so I had to go Google some stuff and figure out why it was in there. Um, so then I learned that. Um, and I will say that I enjoyed watching this um, on a rewatch more than my initial viewing. Because it's just easier to watch when you know what's going on and aren't trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I think it's a very well-made film. I enjoyed it quite a bit. However, it's a lot. Um, and Jordan people, Jordan Peele is, he seems to feel the need to have some sort of theme or message in all of his movies, which is, which is fine. Um, however, I really felt like this particular movie, um, was fighting against itself in that regard. I felt like, um, his trying to deliver his theme uh, was really fighting with delivering the story at the same time. Um, so I personally think this is the weakest of Jordan Peele's films. However, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and if you watch it, I would recommend watching it a second time because it goes down a lot easier um, when you're not trying to patch everything together in your head along the way. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it, uh, but not as much as Get Out or Us. All right, sounds good. All right, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a Peel film, so I, I've heard about it, being plugged into the horror community, um, and being a, a fan of his first two films. I would put this in the middle of Get Out and Us, uh, which because I don't think Us stuck the landing, although I think what it did was very creepy. I don't think the, the theme worked very well there for me. Um, I'm pretty sure what happened is that Jordan Peele had uh, heard of the Dark Discussions podcast and Phil's obsession with the Greys and his fancy <laughs> to go choose movies to see that are based on the Greys, only to find out that, like Lucy in the football, uh, it's not really a movie about the Greys. And uh, so I don't want, since we're not in spoiler territory, I won't tell you what the movie is about. Uh, it is, but he basically movie is sold on being one genre and it ends up being a different genre. Now for me, much as I like the, the alien films, I like the other genre more. Uh, so that twist worked really well for me and was a pleasant surprise. I could certainly understand how it would throw audiences and disappoint audiences by which I mean, Phil, uh, who might <laughs> be expecting to see Grays in a movie about a giant <laughs> flying saucer. Um, but that's not what the movie's about. And yeah, I think the, this is a theme, not a theme. This is a, a question that we've had uh, resurface a couple of times in the last uh, decade or so in the dark discussions podcast, which is if you have to watch a movie more than once to understand what it's about, is it really a good movie? Um, and I had watched something about this before I had seen it. So I knew what the theme was. I knew what it was about. Maybe that made it easier for it to go down the first time for me. And, and it worked even more so the second time. Um, and there's little things that do connect it. I didn't have a problem. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about, Eric, uh, with the exception of one piece of footwear. I, I never had any trouble seeing the connection between the, the two things. But I understand why a lot of people had trouble with it. Uh, but again, it also helps that I knew what he was trying to say with the film. And I also think because I, 
he's focused a lot on his first two films about race and class that maybe people are expecting that kind of film here. And that is not at all what he's discussing. He's discussing something uh, a little different. And uh, there's a whole thing is really about the concept of spectacle uh, and people's obsession with spectacle and desire to turn things into spectacle or in some cases to make spectacles of themselves. Um, and it, it's and on rewatch, I saw little things that I missed the first time uh, and could appreciate more once since I knew where it was going from the beginning. I didn't have to wait to get halfway through the film, to find out what the movie was. So I, I definitely give it a recommend, uh, but it's really hard to talk about without getting into spoilers. Mm. For me. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, um, I don't remember how I heard about it. Um, I think it was just popped up in, um, trailers and advertisements and stuff. And then, uh, folks on this podcast and just on social media mentioned, Hey, that's a, uh, the new film by Jordan Peele. Um, I would, uh, state that, um, I may be where you are, Mike. Where even though I think I may like this film a little better than Get Out, out of the three, it's probably in the middle. Uh, I didn't like Us at all, really. Um, I was kind on my review of that film, but I, I just disliked that film tremendously. Um, but Get Out obviously is a great film, and this film here um, is a strange film, uh, and not because it isn't necessarily about the Greys, but as Eric mentioned, there's a side story that is actually pretty awesome uh, that I still didn't think felt that it fit in the film, though, after what you, Eric, and you, Mike, have mentioned about uh, exploitation of self and things of that nature, maybe maybe I, I can kind of start figuring it out now. Um, also, um, that storyline ended pretty quick. And then um, the film did give away its hand a couple of times with some comments like the Otis character, which is the lead character, uh, states something about something in the sky and that it may really be something else. And that was kind of like a Chekhov's comment. And I glued to that pretty quick when he said it, because I I said, okay, it's got to be that. And sure enough, it was that. And then um, the last 30 minutes of the film, um, I unfortunately felt uh, brought the film down uh, because I was enjoying the film tremendously up until the last 30 minutes of the film when it just became kind of a spectacle film rather than a thriller and mystery and scary type film that um, it had at the, at the first hour and 30 minutes. So I, I do feel the film also may have been a little too long, but mostly because of the last 30 minutes, not because of the first hour and 30 minutes. Uh, so my feelings on the film, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if it'll make my top 10, um, cause I felt this is a pretty strong year. If not any classic films, a lot of really, really good films that hit, uh, the horror genre this year. So this one may be tough to make the top 10, but, um, it's still good enough that, um, I would recommend it and that it still could fall into the top 20 and maybe sneak into the top 10 after I stop doing my list. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good film. 
Um, all right. So with that, uh, Eric, do we have a IMDb or wiki? Wiki, wiki. It, this is surprisingly spoiler free. <laughs> the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. All right. That's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Tells you nothing. Yeah, tells you nothing. <laughs> All right. So what we do here on uh, the Dark Discussions podcast uh, for new listeners and even those who are veteran listeners to the podcast, like Travis. Uh, basically, what we do here is we not just review uh, the film that we discussed, uh, which we kind of just did, but we also critique and dissect the film. Uh, basically, try to think, see what um, the director, the writers, and the producers, and, and whatever are, are trying to say. Obviously, uh, Mike mentioned a, a very interesting point about spectacle, and I, I added the word self-exploitation. Um, and so, so we'll talk about a lot of that stuff. Um, and uh, we'll throw up a spoiler alert when we do get into the spoilery parts. Um, and we'll talk about anything and everything related to the film. Uh, but before that, what we usually do is we talk about general stuff. So that could be stuff related to the type of film this is, uh, because it is kind of a science fiction horror film. Uh, we could be talking a little more about Jordan Peele himself. We could talk about um, rural horror. We could talk about all sorts of things, and uh, we'll probably do that um, before we get into the spoiler alert. Um, so just to set it up first before we, we continue, but basically, uh, it's about, um, horse farmers, uh, that let use their, their horses to, um, let, lend them or, or, or work with Hollywood and, and, and things of that nature, local sideshows and whatnot, where, uh, if they need a horse, they're trainers, they bring the horse in and there you go. Uh, so that's how the setup. Uh, so father and a son and a daughter that, that that do do this at a ranch that's very very rural in the middle of nowhere in like a valley um, out in the kind of the desert of the you might call it a lonely gulch yes there you go uh, in California, <laughs> California obviously lonely gulch all right so uh, I guess that's pretty much it so uh, we can talk about the non spoilery stuff so uh, where do we want to begin uh, I'd like to bring up Mike's point uh, uh, and what you, you said, Eric, when you Googled stuff, um, spec is, uh, uh, the speculative nature of society, culture, uh, obviously, like I mentioned, self-exploitation of people I've mentioned in the past where, uh, when we discuss about, um, things like, uh, uh, misogyny and then, you see, you go to Instagram and everybody on Instagram is self-exploiting themselves. So there's a lot of weird things that are going on in society. Or not weird, but, you know, just how it is. And Mike and Eric, you guys mentioned that you felt maybe that's what the main point of this film was rather than just being a science fiction horror film. I mean, it's certainly say it's right, you know, it's right there. And maybe I was being a little dense when I watched it the first time because but the, one of the first things you see at the beginning of the movie is he puts a quote up on the screen that says, quote, I will cast abominable filth at you, make you vile and make you a spectacle. Nahum three, six. 
So he kind of lays it out for you right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So that's a Bible I, quote. I, I'm assuming so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not a Bible scholar, so. And I, <laughs> and and I had seen an interview with Peel before this, and it had said no spoilers. And yeah, it, it lays it out. It's spectacle. That's what he was commenting on was spectacle. Um. So yeah, and then that's completely confirmed by that opening quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and I, I can verify, uh, we all can verify it, even people that are listening. You know, all you have to do is turn TV, your computer on, or your phone on, and, you, and the newspaper or whatever. Um, but, you know, right now there's that big case in Idaho, uh, the unfortunate murder of uh, four young people. And um, I've been following it recently once uh, the individual was arrested, and I was amazed the number of podcasts and true crime individuals there are on YouTube. Uh, it's just like hundreds of stuff. And it's like, wow, oh, yeah. it's true, crazy. True crime has got to be one of the most popular, if not the most popular genre on of podcasts that's out there. It's, it's amazing how many people listen to just true crime podcasts and how yeah. many of them like pumpkin spice. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a type. But I mean, what was one of the biggest Netflix shows of the last year? Was Dahmer. Yeah. Yep. Right? Um now I don't know that he was specifically referencing that kind of exploitation um in the film. Uh I think it's telling that you have a I actually got a lot to say about that, but I got to wait till the spoiler flag is yeah. up. Yeah. But I think it's it's telling that the lead has a business that uses animals in show business and that the there's a backstory to another character involving a disaster involving an animal involved in show business. Um, but you also have like the sister is, you know, promoting herself, you know, when she should be promoting, you know, like just speaking for the business. Um I think it was interesting if you actually look at the names of the main characters, you have OJ with, you need to know how OJ ties into spectacle. Uh, <laughs> it can't help you, but then it's Emerald, which of course is a you know big shiny thing. Uh, and then you have angel, which is, would could also tie into being a spectacle. And then there's antler, the character's name, which is a thing on an animal that's there to kind of catch your attention. Um, it's uh uh, and there was, and then there's one other, which is uh, a coworker that you briefly see, whose name is Nessie. You know, <laughs> just, um, so I thought that was interesting. You have uh, the the character Angel has just broken up with his girlfriend because she's gone to to star in a CW show. Um, so it's this thing that everybody wants, fame and celebrity. The whole point of this is to take a of the movie is the lead characters want to get a picture of a UFO. So that they can, you know, they can get the Oprah shot, as they refer to it. Speaking of Oprah, which is all about putting people on display and putting people on a, sh on a show. And they want to turn themselves into celebrities by, uh, by, by videotaping or whatever the term would be right now. Because there's no videotape involved. But by, by filming, by filming uh, a UFO or a UAP, as we were corrected early on in the film. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. 
That is true. Um, and it lies it out pretty quick. Uh, some of that stuff, like the OJ reference, uh, one of the, the people that in the Hollywood goes, are you serious? Your name's OJ? And the guy goes, yeah, um, Ot- uh, Otis Jr. You know, so like, it's not a big deal, you know. Um, but, you know, the first thing he says, it's OJ, and everybody thinks of that spectacle from oddly years ago now, which is crazy. Um, one of my favorite uh, jokes in uh, Seinfeld, because it aged so poorly, um, is Elaine was dating a, a guy by the name of Joel Rifkin, who was a serial killer. And she's oh, yeah, from, from Long and Island. And she, and she, right, and she's not comfortable with that. So she's trying to convince him to change his name <laughs> and they go to a football game. And she says, how about OJ? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that joke plays way differently 30 years later than it did, or you know, 25 years later than it did back then. But anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, obviously uh, a lot of the, the characters' names, because uh, I'm looking over the list of the characters and every one of them has a nickname or uncommon name um, that obviously were, were chosen for obvious reasons. Uh, oh, right. And Jupiter, you know, the, yeah, the, Jupiter's the king client. of the gods and the giant planet. So that's the other. Yeah, and his, his wife's name's a- Amber, you know, so another shiny object. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a that's a. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, again, I, I didn't see any interviews. I didn't read any. I went in completely blind. I, I didn't do any research on the film. I didn't do anything. So um, I wasn't uh, prepared for any of the uh, speculate, speculative stuff. And, and then that co- that quote from the beginning, I just kind of ignored it uh, for whatever reason. So it didn't occur to me. Um, but yeah, laying it out. I can see it. I wanted to make a point to mention the cinematography in this movie um because it's really something else a lot of this movie happens at night and the way they shot it i, I don't it's got to be uh genius level talent as far as uh lighting and camera operation uh because it's still dark it's still clearly nighttime um but you can see everything that's going on um, I put a post on is, dark discussions that showed what they did, and it yeah. was pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Am I correct in that they actually shot day for night? Did I? I, I remember seeing that somewhere. Right, uh, day for night was what they. I used don't to think do, they did. Was, they were. They used. I, my understanding is they did like a different process so that it didn't look as bad as it used to. But that no, well, if it was day for night, then it's then it's much better than it used to be. It would be it would be phenomenal. <laughs> would um, be and I think it depends crap. on the shot too. But <laughs> no, but everything in this movie looked fantastic. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, sure did, sure did. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of um, computer graphic uh, in the long shots, but. You really couldn't notice it. It didn't even occur to me until you brought <laughs> up the, on the CG at the end of the movie is phenomenal. Well, yeah. apparently, and this one is another one. Uh, the, the, there's a shot where they go to a Fry's electronics store to buy cameras, and they're walking. Mm. Down I the love aisle. that. Apparently, that's green screen. They they didn't actually shoot. They just shot on green well, screen, and then I think Fry's went out of business there. years ago. 
Yeah. Well, they, they better do. use the Best Buy or, you know, they, yeah, they've gone, they went out during COVID. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, I think they're pretty much gone now. Yeah, that is correct. I, I looked them up because uh, uh, when I did Wikipedia um, a couple of days ago, um, it had Fry's Electronics. It said Angel Torres, a, a tech salesman at Fry's Electronics. And yet Fry's, Fry's Electronics actually had a link. And I go, oh, that's interesting. So I pressed the link and it was a store that actually existed. And yeah, they're, they're out of business now. So um, I loved Fry's funny. when they were I, when they were doing well. I wonder <laughs> You know, because we know how this works, and you know, get product replacement. I, I think it would be really funny if, like, Fry's like paid millions of dollars to get the a name drop on in, in a film, and then we're out of business before the film ever got <laughs> that released. Would be kind of funny. <laughs> you never know; that oh. could have happened because it could have. You know, the film uh, was, was being filmed during the middle of COVID, as, and as Barrett said, the company went out in the middle of COVID. So, um, because of COVID, killed a lot of businesses. So. And that might be why they did the uh, the digital electronics store because they couldn't actually go through a, a store with people in it, and or or uh, they didn't know what what company they were going to use. Well, until after the filming, even was, if they filmed and Fry's was still open at that point, Fry's had pretty much empty shelves, <laughs> so it wouldn't have worked right. anyway. That too, right? <laughs> right. And maybe but, maybe but, it was sort of like uh, if you remember Twister, which I know Eric does, you know which. Uh, which, which after they were done filming, they got a sponsor deal for Pepsi. So the, all the soda cans at the end, they had to digitally replace. That's, the what, cans that's what I was about Pepsi to say. Cans. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times they do that. They, they, uh, like I think World War Z when they were in the Wales CDC plant or not CDC plant, but whatever the World Health Organization plant. Uh, there was a co- soda machine there, and then after they filmed it, they went to all the co- the soda companies and said, uh, "We'll digitally put your." company on the on the, the machine and you know so a lot of so they do that a lot where they they do a generic thing and then they add it after the fact when they when they have the bidding wars from advertisers you know exactly well you know if it doesn't matter to your film then fuck it why not right <laughs> yeah 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 hey anyway you can pay for the 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 film right and never mind everybody just wants money and that's, that's the point of hollywood is to make money but it also helps pay for things as well so I also wanted to mention that the acting was good in this movie. Um, I've actually heard a, a bunch of people criticize Daniel Kaluuya in this movie. Oh, he was yeah. the best, I thought. Yeah, for, I thought for, he was for awesome. being flat. I thought that was um, perfect. And I'm like, you know what? All right, at this point, he's pretty much proven himself as an actor. He's he's won awards. Um, so I'm pretty sure if that's what he was doing, it's because it's what Jordan Peele told him to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I don't think there's any doubt, because if you look, well, first of all, I thought he had incredible chemistry uh, with the the sister, and I thought they did a great job being uh, brother and sister. I thought it was a very believable relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So we start with that. Um, But the whole point is that he's he's not a social person, right? He's Mm -hmm. he's the animal guy. He handles the animals. Uh, I think the sister mentions uh, in one of their exchanges very quickly drops that he's dyslexic. Um, no, so I missed that. He, so he's like really a guy who's keeping to himself. He's trying not to be noticed. Um, and I think you know that he's he's a a, a quiet, soft, mostly soft-spoken, introspective person. Although his sister brings out other things in him, and 
to me, and I did see, now maybe this is people have shitty light bulbs in theaters because I keep hearing people talk about certain films being too dark to see anything, and I never have any trouble seeing it. Uh, but there were complaints about like not being able to see the expression on his face, which, you know, maybe mildly racist, but it is it is a uh, <laughs> it is a thing that if people of uh, certain hues have trouble with when uh, dealing with filming is that it, it can be hard to show up. There was a, an Internet meme a few years ago about uh, problems of interracial couples where you have the uh, like the one light skin and one dark skinned and neither one. And it just throws off the lighting balance in the camera with digital cameras. Uh, but anyhow, um, but I never had trouble reading his expression, seeing his expression. He's studying, he's thinking, he's thoughtful. Uh, I think he does that very well. Not a lot of actors can can come across with with intelligence without like, you know, just in their look by keeping quiet. I felt um, he, he was just a, a quiet, strong cowboy character. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and really the whole good point with is, right at the beginning <laughs> right. of the film, you know, he has to, he's waiting for his sister and he start and he, and she's not showing up and he's there with the horse. He just wants to take care of the horse and he's trying to tell people away from the backside of the horse. Um, and he's having trouble interrupting because he's not a loud guy. He's not, he's again, he's, that's not his personality, but he also has to give the spiel, uh, to, to the crew and that's his sister's job and she's late and you just see his how uncomfortable he is at what at that uh, prospect of having to do his sister's job mm-hmm. and then like she comes in at the last second and i think she does a great job because she does do that do the whole song and dance routine and like i'm selling their company and their history of the company and why they're doing it and does that well and then of course proceeds to sell herself in a non-sexual way well, and one of the interesting things I didn't catch on my first viewing um, is that, you know, how, how she's going through her whole spiel. She's talking about how she's a great, great grandfather. And then OJ kind of mumbles. Great. She goes, oh, there's another great. Uh, the reason she made that mistake is because she's just her dad used to do that spiel. And she she's she's not like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't get that. And, yeah. and then later in the movie, yeah. you see her watching a tape of him doing that spiel. So she just memorized it rather than like knowing yeah, it, what, what it's meant. about. Right. So she was just like spewing the words that she heard come out of her dad's mouth. Uh, not actually like caring about what it meant. Um, I thought that was an interesting little tidbit that I didn't catch the first time. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. That is actually pretty awesome. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So for folks who don't get it, basically, you know, great, great, great grandfather, her father would say. But if she was going to say it and really understood it, she would have added one more because she's one generation further away from the great, great, great grandfather. Right. Now, Mike, you were going to say something? Yes, I was. I was definitely was. <laughs> you forgot. That's all right. Um, do you remember? Just Jump in. I would just say she sells it really well. She, she she sells herself. She's got the personality. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But you know what? She and she was perfect too because it, she felt sounded phony, just like all the people she was saying it to. You know, like everybody. You know, I was rolling my eyes at these people ignoring Otis, and then I was rolling my eyes at her because it was just like, oh my gosh, it's just 
producer who when she does her spiel like she's doing her spiel at one point the producer just goes ha! and then he like looks around because nobody else is laughing <laughs> right right because they still didn't respect what she was saying even you know it's like <laughs> well, oh, they, well they knew that she was just a phony like the rest of them right oh well, it's, I, she's I, a hired hand and I think you know you have the the moment where the the star of the film I assume is coming in, and you know I can't remember I wrote her name down, but I was going to say, did anybody recognize that actress? By the way, I did not. Yeah, but she's supposed that was to be Donna the star. Mills. Okay, oh, how about that, Donna Mills? That's awesome. And he just and nobody's listening to the guy who says I have an animal here that can kill you. Please pay attention to the freaking rules. <laughs> right. They're just they're just the hired help. So they don't really respect them and they don't care about them. They respected the dad a bit, you know, because he had a reputation in Hollywood, but they're like, oh, he died. So what a shame. And, and, and neither one of them is really able to take over the business. So I get that. But they still they still don't respect what it is. But who is she? She comes out here dressed to the nines, going back to the idea of putting things on display. You know, she's the star. She's the actress. You know, and she's reveling in her celebrity. So. I think that even then you get that tying into that theme, you know, and the sister kind of wants to be that because what is a sister? She's, you know, a uh, combination uh, actress, singer, uh, floor wax and dessert topping, right? Whatever you want her to be, <laughs> she'll do. Um, so then Daniel Clue is like the one who doesn't, but he still wants the famous celebrity from the videotape. That they're going to get later, but yeah, I think there were great performances all around. Uh, I, I think Angel was good. I thought uh, that. Uh, oh, uh, Michael Wincott. Stephen Young was really good. Was good. Um, doing what he's doing as the the the, the former child celebrity. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. I think performances are solid all the way around. We've had a lot of good performances this year. Uh, in horror films, yeah, yeah it was it's a, it was a strong year uh, for for horror film uh, twenty twenty two uh, in many ways, in, including uh, acting for sure. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, uh, um, the Grace. <laughs> they made uh, a cameo appearance. You know, you know that was that was a, that was a great scene. I mean, did they? Have it gone? It, well, it, it was it was it was nerve wracking, and uh, and and it was something off as well. That's and also they, that's also when he delivers the the title of the movie for the first time. Where he's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it's it's mentioned a few times in the film that that was one of the ones where they really emphasized it. Um, and, and I felt so happy for you, Phil, when I was in theater saying, oh, Phil's going to love this. <laughs> and Lucy pulled the football away. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll get into uh, that with spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. Mike just can't contain himself. But I got to say, in this scene, the the first couple of scenes with the flying saucer, um, I, Bench was real. Even on a rewatch, and I know what's going on, I, 
I think they that he managed to really build a ten, uh, tension and dread uh, in right. what was going on. Well, and, 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 and that's that whole um, thing of well, okay, fuck it, I'm not going down there. I'm not going after it. I'm not going down the hallway. I'm just going to back away slowly. Yep, that is true. That is true. Um, it reminds me of when I heard when I, maybe when I it was I probably I don't know if it was when I saw the name of the film the first time or just the the, the trailer of the film. It made me think of an old uh, joke by Eddie Murphy when he was making fun of white people in haunted houses. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And he was, and he said, you know, it's if it was a black family, they'd be like walking to the house. And like, oh, I was like, well, this was nice. I'm getting out of here now. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, and so yeah, I'll, I'll leave Eddie Murphy to speak to the accuracy of uh, of uh, black Americans' attitudes towards toilet houses. But I did laugh at that, and it's uh, it made me think of that. Yeah, that that really should be the more common sense response to a whole lot of this stuff that we see in horror films, which is uh, I want nothing to do with this. I'm going away. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Oh, look at this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And also, if you knock the villain down, you make sure you take his head off. I fuck so that. I'm getting, I'm, I'm going, I'm going up to the strip and uh, nuking the, the side from orbit. That's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only way yeah, to be but, sure. Yeah, but Mike, you're only a corporal. I, I don't care. But, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you're, you're, you're in charge, so. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do. No, no. We just wish movies. <laughs> uh, well, let's be honest. I would pretty much be nuking anything. Oh, fuck this traffic jam. Um, so let's throw the spoiler flag up so we can actually have a conversation. Yeah. All right, sounds good. All right, so at this point, uh, we will throw up the spoiler alert. So at this point, we will talk about everything and anything. So folks have been notified and are now uh, aware that we will talk about everything and anything. At this time, uh, the film is available uh, for free if you are a subscriber at, I believe, Peacock. Uh, so you can, go, you can go see it there if you want. And uh, otherwise, you can VOD it or get the disc anywhere and everywhere. Uh, so the spoiler warning is now up, and we will talk about everything and anything. All right, so what do we do? What do we want to go with? Yeah, well, so Jordan Peele's, uh, what everyone thought was Jordan Peele's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, turned out to actually be Jordan Peele's Jaws. It was not a great film. It's a kaiju film. Um. Is, and, and and I thought that was a, a wonderful little twist. Now maybe it was an alien kaiju. We have no idea. We have it's kind of like the the graboids and tremors. How the how that thing got there, we have no idea. And it doesn't matter, right? But uh, it, yeah, it could be an alien, but we don't know. And it yep. doesn't matter to the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a the moment earlier in the film that I called was the the checkoff comment. Was when OJ says, uh, "Maybe it isn't just a spaceship. Maybe it's alive." <laughs> and and at that moment, I said, "Okay, I already know where this film's going to go." And sure enough, it went there. Um, and it didn't wait, make you wait problem. very long. That happened in about like maybe ten minutes later. 
Um, and and by the way, and that ends up being the thing that connects those two story things together, is that it's the exploitation of a creature, admittedly one human and one, uh, not one human, one very obvious and you know common with with chimpanzee and then one monstrous. But yeah, it's that use of that intentionally that taking a wild animal and trying to use it for entertainment, which again is reinforced with the horse at the beginning. Which almost kills somebody by because somebody can't follow the frickin' directions. <laughs> right. Um, so, so what what I'm understanding, I'm guessing, is the Jupe character knew about the creature all along. Yeah, there's a scene where um, he's wandering. Uh, by he, I mean um, OJ's wandering around the the farm at night. Yeah. And he hears the star spectacular. Yep. Jupe is rehearsing the show. He's rehearsing the show for the big debut. And first time through, it's really easy to miss because you don't know what it is. You just assume he's hearing some show for uh, his little uh, Wild West theme, uh, Wild West attraction. And no, he's he's known about this creature and has a jean jacket is what they end up calling it after one of their horses. And um, and apparently he's been beating it a horse every Friday <laughs> for the last right. few months. <laughs> so so what's been what, happening is that yeah. Daniel Kaluuya's OJ has been in order because they've been struggling since the father died. He's been selling the horses to the Wild West show, and with the full intention of buying them back. And when he mentions that to um, to Jupe, you just see this look on Jupe's face, and he's like. Uh, yeah. sure. Because, which <laughs> you also don't pick up on until later when you realize he's been feeding the horses, right? So to uh, to Jean Jacket. Jacket, and then when you watch the film again, right before the father dies, you hear this this screaming sound, and like you're wondering, okay, is that them feeding the horse? To Jean Jacket, there's also a report of missing hikers. Um, <laughs> no. You could have been the hikers, uh, who of course would have had the the nickel that got shot into. I was going to uh, say that's probably where the stuff at the beginning came from. Well, I just don't know like how quickly it had as feels the need to um, relieve Defecate. itself. Yeah. <laughs> so it was certainly in the area, uh, but like you know, the after it murders everybody at the uh, at the Wild West show. You know, that's a very hefty meal. That's like like four hikers. Um, that was like 30 people. Um, how did he, how did, he how did that happen? I'm confused. If, if if Jupe has been doing this for a long time, why did it backfire? At that the time when Jupe and everybody dies, because there was a crowd and it was getting hungrier and hungrier and wanting more and more. Oh, so, so was this the first time? Ever that he actually did it in front of a crowd? Yes. Yeah. He was debuting his new show. By the way, if you look at okay. Jupe's jacket, there's a UFO on the back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which I had com- would missed completely until like the very last shot of him before uh, Jean Jacket comes to the show. Um, because otherwise, if they do a really good job of having it blend in with the normal like ditching pattern that you would see in just like 1950s Western attire. Um, another thing I picked up was that he says that he's the one that, so he was in like kid cowboy or some series of 
movies kid as sheriff, a child. I think kid, kid sheriff, right? And he said he and his those are those are successful. He used that to get Gordy's home made. So he's the one as a child actor that got Gordy's home produced as a TV show, and therefore he's the one indirectly that got all these people killed when Gordy goes crazy, and he's making that same mistake again. I feel very badly for the actress, the woman who has played his, his, uh, the actress who played his sister on on Gordy's home, because not only does he get her hideously deformed, he then invites her to his new show, which is what finally gets her killed. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, and like, uh, I'm going to hop in here since 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 we're on that topic, because um, this is one of the things I found out when I started googling stuff um, that just fascinated me. Uh, which is that because I was trying to I was like, what the hell is this story about the chimp going berserk on a TV set got to do with any of the rest of this? Right. Exactly. Um, so I start so I start looking at stuff. And uh, yes, it's the theme of spectacle um, and, and exploitation. exploitation. Uh, and um, along the way of, of like looking at everything, I found. Now, I, I don't think Jordan Peele has mentioned this in any interviews as an inspiration, but I can't imagine that he's unaware of it. Um, and I think I said a link to the interview uh, to all of you at one point. Um, but there was a woman uh, yep. who was attacked by a chimpanzee in 2009 and literally had her face ripped off. And her uh, hands eaten off. And her hands eaten off, yes. Um, and she ended up having to have a face transplant. Um, and up. Oprah <laughs> interviewed her. Uh, and Oprah got her on the Oprah show to reveal her face for the first time publicly. Um, and she was, and was wearing a hat with a veil, was, very much horrible. like the one in the movie. <laughs> so when I found this interview, I was just like, Oh, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you don't feel like watching speaking of exploitation, right, taking this poor woman and putting her out there for all the world to see. If you are curious what she looked like, if my memory serves, if you see the the like a burn victim or something. Well, if you see the woman at the end of Terrifier, the first Terrifier and who yeah, yeah. in Terrifier 2, exactly. Kind of like that. It's like her face looked like a human smiley face mm-hmm. because there were just like two holes and a line, you know, for her mouth. You know, there was no nose because um, her well, face basically was what they had to do uh, to save her life is they took part of her leg and stitched it to her face um, just so there was something yeah. covering her skull. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. it's pretty horrific. Um, and eventually she did. She was actually the first successful face transplant uh, ever. Um, and she doesn't look normal, um, but uh, she looks a whole lot closer to normal than she did on that Oprah interview. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 a scary thing because she had been keeping a chimpanzee as a pet. No, she hasn't. Her neighbor. Or so, what? Or oh, the neighbor. Right. The neighbor. Yeah, it was her neighbor. Chimpanzee as a pet. And the chimp went nuts because it's a wild animal. And yeah. Probably and should chimps, be kept as a pet. Yeah. Right. Chimpanzees are substantially stronger than a human being. And uh, yeah, you don't do that. You know, it's why um, they have 
why you really have to be careful working with animals in shows. And they, that's kind of going back to the thing with, with the jupe and the horses. Well, right? and so that, I think that's probably where Jordan Peele got his inspiration for making the Oprah reference, uh, as well as having the woman wearing that hat and the crowd at jupe's show. Yeah. Um, apparently that was a much longer storyline, but, and, uh, about her and, 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 and they cut a lot of it out. Um, okay. which I'm, I'm fine with because yeah. I think it's long enough as it is. Um, yeah, the movie is, is is on the long side. I I found that that scene though. Um, there's there's and it's actually one of the first things you see before the opening credits is um you're hearing the audio and for you don't know what you're hearing, um but eventually you see this chimpanzee, um, on the set of the TV show. You don't know what that that's what it is when you see it the first time. And he's got blood on his hands and all over his mouth. And he kind of he kind of pokes at what you think might be a dead body um, and then turns and looks at the camera. And when that chimp turns and looks directly into the camera, it's bone chilling. <laughs> it's just like, oh, shit, he's coming for me next. <laughs> mm hmm. And we find out later that that's Jupe's point point of view, uh, hiding under a table. Uh, and later you get to see the whole scene around that little clip you see at the beginning. And the reason that Jupe's character feels that um, that the aliens trust him is because after this chimpanzee has gone berserk, um, it comes over to him underneath the table. And and it's you know I'm gonna try and look this up sometime later when y'all are talking, um, but the the chimpanzee actually signed something in in real sign language. I read what it was somewhere. It's something like, um, either uh, where did they go or or what happened. So it's like the chimp was under a, a spell when it was going berserk, and now it's come back into its own and doesn't quite understand what happened. Um, and then goes to do their famous fist bump with Jupe on a table because that's their thing on the show is they fist bump. Um, First exploding fist bump. <laughs> um, and when when they're about to touch fists, uh, the SWAT team gets there and, and blows away the chimp. Um, so because of that, Jupe feels like he's he's got a he's trustworthy with animals. They trust him, even though that's probably not what's going on at that particular moment. Um, and it also ties into the whole theme of exploitation and spectacle because they were exploiting the chimp on the show. Um, they were exploiting Jupe on the show for that. And matter. then he turns into an exploiter. That's and, the and, and, and not only does he turn into an exploiter, but he's also exploiting himself with the whole theme park. You know, it's, yeah, it's, he, he actually uh, says Jupe, that Jupiter's claim, right? He's 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 selling off his image from the character. Well, so not only that, but he's got a room set up where he's exploiting the deaths of his co right? His co-stars <laughs> true. from the show. Yeah, because he's got like <laughs> props from the show, costumes from the show, a statue of uh of uh uh Gordy with a wearing a Hawaiian shirt, the Mad Magazine cover from the Mad Magazine parody, which God I really wish I could read it. Um, right. <laughs> but he's also in like deep 
denial about what happened because when he's asked about what happened, he doesn't tell what happened. He talks about the Saturday Night Live parody of what happened. Right. With Chris Kattan playing Payne Gordy. Which I, I so was like hoping they paid Chris Kattan to do like a, a few seconds of footage as a <laughs> I bet. I bet if he did it, it would be hilarious. Because uh, because then it mentioned it was like so that would just uh, in in the the, the movie's time like nineteen ninety eight or so. So it was Chris Kattan and Anna Gasmeyer and I can't remember who else was on SNL at the time. Uh, all of whom are now you know twenty years older, but uh, you know they can do remarkable things on uh, with CGI now. Right. What is the age? So. I'm pretty sure I've got a pretty good hold on most of this movie at this point. But the one thing I still don't understand and I haven't like, you know, I even like did searching on YouTube. I haven't seen an explanation that satisfies me is I, I, so I don't understand the fucking shoe. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's my understanding of it. And uh, I wish I was smart enough to have figured this out on my own. Or I wish I was smart enough to have bullshitted this answer on my own. Uh, I don't know which is the correct one. So there is a uh, moment in the film where Daniel Kaluuya is pondering, can there be such a thing as a bad miracle? Mm-hmm. Right? And he's referring to a coin falling from the sky and puncturing his father's skull and killing him. Right. You know, which, was, which is a bad miracle. Well, the closest thing you have to a miracle in this film, if you do not count the giant alien monster flying overhead, (laughs) uh, is the fact that when Gordo goes crazy in the middle of the stunt, someone's shoe falls off and lands perfectly erect, right? Just standing on its toe, on its toe. And he keeps looking at it and you can argue that a bad miracle, meaning it's a miraculous thing that happened, but it's not especially noteworthy. And I'm wondering oh, if that's maybe also that saved his life because he wasn't because he was this staring is another... at the shoe and didn't make eye contact with the chimp. Right. Right. Oh. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Now that's what I got out of that. Now, to me, that's thin. It's a little thin. thin. Um, and so to put that in there so prominently with me and make it do that much work for that unsatisfying an answer, I don't think that's great storytelling to me. Mm. Some people may love it. Um, you know, so I have a, a, a acquaintance, Steve Radzinski, who's made a lot of cheap horror films. Uh, he recently did a, uh, an Amityville Christmas, I think, on which. I don't know where you could watch it, but it's apparently his, his most successful film he's done to date. But he wrote a uh, a Facebook mini rant recently about people who complain when movies have to spell things out. And then, you know, the number of people who just still don't understand things, even after you over explain them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I understand there is. Nobody likes having the message explained. Well, Nobody with half a brain likes having a message you know, like served to them on a platter and over-explain, you know, being hit over the head with it. You know, it's like we, we get the point. But, man, there are a lot of dense people out there. And I understand. And sometimes we can be the dense people, too. Um, I've missed things in films. There was like, oh, duh. Um, <laughs> well, for example, everything everywhere all at once. 
there is a lot I know I missed just because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Right. But my point being, it's it's hard to find a balance on something that's mass media meant for literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Or you hope everybody. <laughs> and be able to find the right pitch at telling a story so you're not completely inscrutable and you're also not just either preaching to the audience or laying it on too thick well and that's kind of what I meant earlier when I said I thought this movie was fighting against itself um, as far as telling the story and delivering the theme because um, on my second watch once I I there was no mystery for me as to the events of the movie and what was going to happen. Um, I was able to pay a lot more attention to the thematic elements of the film, and I found it much more enjoyable the second time through uh, for that for that reason. Um, not trying to stitch the two together the first time through was a little much for me personally. I would love to be able to say that I was smart enough to pick up on all the themes the first time through. But the truth is, I if I hadn't seen that interview with Jordan Peele, I think it was on Good Morning America. It was a really good interview. Um, I, whatever you think of of his films, I think Peele is is uh, one a very obvious fan of the genre. But I think he's, he knows his his craft and his genre, and and uh, is a thoughtful filmmaker. Um, but um. That that told me it, it basically laid out the theme of the film without spoiling any of the events of the film. And that made it a lot easier to digest that even on that first time. But even in that first time, I was like, man, people are going to have a hard time putting together the connection between Gordo, uh, Gordy and. Um, and and Jean Jacket, right? What what the connection is there? Phil and Barrett, what were your what were your thoughts the first time through? Were you picking up the thematic stuff or or not so much? Uh, you can go ahead first, Barrett. Um, you know, I didn't think of it overall, and now that you bring it up, I think it it hits me a little harder. And I only watched it once in the theater, and it was a bit ago. Um, I think if I had watched it a second time, I might have noticed those things more. But, at, you know, when you said it, it made perfect sense. And, you know, I realized what the theme was in his other two movies because it was extremely obvious. Mm-hmm. This one was obvious, but I just didn't see it for some mm-hmm. reason. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, me. Um, no, I, I didn't notice it at all. Um, I it, it didn't occur to me that uh, he was trying to do a, a theme at all. Um, I was pretty much just trying to decipher all the, um, the gray stuff. So all the other stuff, there were no grays. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, but, um, now, like like I said, as Barrett said, um, you know, you talking about it. Sure. But, but again, if I, if I had seen the interview, like, like Mike did, then, then maybe, maybe I would have been prepared and it would have been much more obvious, but going in blind, knowing nothing about the film at all. Um, um, I, I was just watching it as a science fiction thriller, uh, scare type film and, and, and wasn't trying to figure out any, any points that he was making. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for me personally, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, 
the themes in Us and Get Out were a lot easier to pick up on um, because they do pretty much spoon feed it to you in those movies, right? Um, <laughs> it's, you know, and, and, Get Out, get and, out. racism bad, you know? <laughs> well, and it's funny because I think the um, s- spectacle was keeping me from noticing the overarching theme of spectacle. You know what I mean? Because the, the creature was so... <laughs> amazing and crazy that I didn't really look at the deeper meaning behind it. I was just in awe of that creature. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's be honest, things like racism, bad, uh, exploited underclass, bad are not unusual themes in films. They're common themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, humanity's addiction to exploitation uh, and, and spectacle. And, and I don't, and he's not, condemning and i this reminds me of um a little bit of kevin smith's dogma you know kevin smith was raised roman catholic and he said that the film wasn't really just criticizing the church he was just kind of kicking the tires and i kind of feel like that's what he was doing here where he's like i don't think he had anything to say about exploit about about spectacle so much as he was like kicking the, the tires of you know why is it that people are so drawn to spectacle why do we have to make a spectacle out of everything and i don't think he has any answers because i don't think it's an easy answer unlike say racism bad where the answer is easy there isn't an easy answer here because Mm. is does anybody here you know and anybody in the audience think that they would not try to videotape the uh the ufo and try to make millions off of it no of course we all would try to do that please 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 mike uap UAP, right? And you know, and we we and don't we all like you know whether you know going you know seeing animals and films and shows and and whatnot and you know even if it's just Terry Notary again getting CGI'd um, as a chimp uh, in his I think fourth <laughs> film as a chimp uh, that that's the poor man's career now is playing digital chimpanzees. Um, but okay, he's he's getting paid good for it. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's being paid, paid, paid well. <laughs> but I'm sure the fact that they had to use a digital chimp is the reason we never got to see the Chris Kattan skit. Um, um I, I don't think he has an answer. I, I think you know it's he's saying you know if you have animals, respect the animals. Okay, but I don't. Well, think I definitely that's like think he's saying issue. exploiting animals bad, right? Probably. But but the rest of the spectacle theme is a little more hazy. All right, let me ask you a question. If there was a giant kaiju, if you could go see a an old west town tourist trap that had a giant kaiju, raise your hand if you would not do that. I would not do that. It's an audio podcast, oh, sure Mike. People can't see us raising our hand. No, no, I know. But you, <laughs> I, well, oh come on, you would. I think we would all. It's like, oh my god, I could go see Godzilla. I think we would all go see Godzilla. I would not. Are you kidding me? You know what happens when you see Godzilla? Godzilla either stomps on you or sets you on fire. No, he only does that to Japanese people. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but but you you know that would happen, right? And that that's it. You know, rubbernecking, right? Why do we mm-hmm. why do we slow down at the scene of an accident? It's just there's an it's something about human curiosity and fascination with things, and it's it's what we are. And I think it's a part of human nature, but I don't think it's an obvious and easy theme 
And I think he's just kind of, like I said, I think he's kicking the tires. I think he's just ruminating. And that doesn't always lead to a clear, coherent narrative. If, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, That's just my thought. I still, uh, now that said, you know, I don't watch movies for themes. I'm not Christy. Um, I, I watch movies to be entertained. And mm-hmm. I watch movies to have see giant monsters eating people. And um, this gave me that. So I was thoroughly satisfied with the film, even if I wasn't sure, like completely grasping the theme the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm much better with it even on a second viewing, but I just really liked it. I will say also, because I, I said this was his Jaws as opposed to his Close Encounters. I think that's a, another thing that has in common with Jaws is the third act. Is... Um, the third act of Jaws goes from being a horror film to kind of being an adventure film. You've done that on the ocean and going fishing. And that's kind of what we get in the third act here. Yeah, but, but, but not, not even, is not good at all well, compared to Jaws, obviously. Well, I'm not, I'm comparing not it many to things Jaws, are. waiting it with Jaws. <laughs> you know, not, nothing is going to be, you know, the equal of Jaws. Um, But, you know, but that's that's the similar. It's a change in tone, in other words. The the first time we see, first couple of times we see Jean Jacket, are, are, those are terrifying moments, right? The characters are frightened. By the time you get to them the second time, they have a plan. They're, they're using flags instead of barrels, but it's still the same basic concept, right? Um, they're, they're, they're now hunting the creature as opposed to the creature you know, being this unknown terror. Mm-hmm. I also have to give credit where it's due. I did not think that the song I wear my sunglasses at night could be spooky, but it can. <laughs> it <laughs> can. Yeah. You have a good point. <laughs> it was a pretty good song. Yeah. Oh, I found it on the uh, trivia page on IMDb. After Gordy exits his rampage, he signs to young Ricky what happened, family? Mm, interesting. Yeah. A, a nice one. Yeah. So, Peterson, or, or Peel, I'm sorry. Peel um, is showing us without um, giving us commentary, or at least that's what you're implying, Mike. Um, I could argue that he's kind of um, poo-pooing. Uh, in other words, he's he's negative, and he is showing his commentary because you know he's throwing a shot out at Oprah. I feel uh, he's showing throwing a shot out at uh, all these folk, um, even even the, the sister TMZ. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, TMZ. Yeah. So I, I have to disagree, Mike. I I think he's actually blatantly telling us uh if you figure out that it is a commentary on spec speculation and and um uh, speculative whatever the word is and and exploitation i think i think he's he's very negative upon it and he's basically saying that it's stupid and sucks that this is a guy who is making horror movies and knows he's making horror movies and he's making a giant monster movie with a monster that is especially in the final act complete and utter spectacle so 
he knows he's doing that. He knows he's just as fascinated by it and interested in it as anybody else is. Yep. So I don't think he's necessarily judging these people. I mean, we can certainly, you know, we all have lines, right? Um, well, there's a difference between making a fictional story, Stephen King type story versus it's still spectacle versus real life spectacle. Where you're well, it's it's I think he's referencing both because um, yeah. he's I saw him say in an interview that he wanted to make a spectacle movie because he wanted to get people's asses back in the theater um, uh, after the pandemic and everything, because because things were not looking good there for a while for for theater, for theatrical releases. They're still not looking great, but better than they were at first. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, and 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 Phil, I'm I'm sorry you didn't get to see this in the theater because it was shot in IMAX. Uh, at least certain parts were, and seeing it on the big screen was was really something. Uh, it was it was pretty awesome. So maybe that's why you didn't enjoy the end as much as as I did. Um, just because I'm a big ass IMAX screen, uh, it was it was pretty pretty awesome to behold. The sound design in this movie was pretty awesome too. Yeah, well, what it is is is. Obviously, it's a different tone, and, and you know, you, you Mike mentioned Jaws. Uh, obviously, that had a different tone the, the, the second half of the film at points, and then went back to scary. But uh, this one here, uh, the first hour and a half was a mystery thriller. It felt I felt it was scary, and then the last half hour was just as long. You know, it felt like the Avengers or something that you know that type of action, or where it just went on for a half an hour and it wasn't as appealing to me like the first hour and a half which was no we that, and that's a that's a that's a typical phil reaction you don't you don't dig the action scenes and that's well cool. but i also also like the first hour and a half because i you know i wanted the, the horror film right the scary mm-hmm. film the the grays the, the the monster the whatever and you do get the monsters in the last 30 minutes but yeah it's it's an action film it's not horror anymore you know it's more well we had we had to get payoff for all that mystery and wondering what the hell this thing was. So that's, that's where we get it is that last portion. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is for me why sometimes I will enjoy a film more the second time is because I will go into it wanting a thing and getting a different thing. And so I won't be satisfied for that. And then the second time I watch it, I know what I'm getting. So there won't be that disappointment there. Um, I said, it just, now again, I'm only just comparing that to, to Jaws because it's a change in tone, much as Jaws did. Jaws is one of the greatest films of all time. Although I do laugh that um, I recently read uh, a thing where uh, Alfred Hitchcock refused to meet with Spielberg, and when he was told Steven Spielberg wanted to meet with him, he said, "Isn't that you know that's the guy that made the Fish movie?" Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's and he just dismissed him as that. And just, remember, Hitchcock is the guy who made the the, the bird movie. Uh, so I don't know right. where he gets off judging. Flap flap, poop poop, not scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, who knows if, if that story is even true? And and plus, the guy was on his deathbed at that point anyway, because he died like like a year. Uh, that but, year, I think, to be honest. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, I think he just didn't want to have like a fanboy around him, which is probably what would have happened. Um, well, and there, that I did have several issues with this movie, and um, I don't think it's I'm, I'm quite on the same page as Phil, but most of my issues did show up in the last act of the movie, 
one of which is that there was the whole thing where OG's like OJ figures out if you don't look at it, it won't attack you. And I thought that was dumb as hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was not a fan of, of that, that whole thing. Um, well, I kind of get it from, I know it's just hanging with the horse at the beginning. The, yeah, I, I, get it. It. Uh, I just thought it was dumb. I, I, I will say I get it from the character's point of view. Right. And that, you know, he, you know, he thinks back to the horse, and when the horse sees his reflection and sees himself looking at it, right? You don't look at the an animal. Certain many animals you don't look at in in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we both have cats, and you know, if you're trying to make friends with a cat, you know, there's there's Ignore certain it. ways to look at. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, right. Ignore it. Don't stare at it because that's a predatory behavior. Um, chimpanzees, you don't smile at a chimpanzee because that's baring your teeth. That's an aggressive sign. Right. Chimpanzees do not bare teeth at each other as a friendly gesture. Uh, that's a weird ass human thing. Um, so he, I didn't think he just got lucky, you know, or mm-hmm. had writers mm-hmm. that, that wanted to tell that story. And um, there's also, there's also the aspect of it always bugs me a little bit. It doesn't even matter what the movie is. But movies that crawl up their own ass about in a movie about making movies <laughs> kind of bugs me. So the whole deal with getting the perfect shot and this dude going crazy and, and basically sacrificing his life for the perfect shot. I'm just like, oh, give me a fucking break. <laughs> right. That no one's going to see anyway because he gets swallowed. And wasn't it? It wasn't a digital camera, was it? It was like a. It was a film camera. Yeah. So it would, have, it would have pooped it out later. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was bizarre. Yeah, that, that whole thing was bizarre when uh Antler's character went crazy. Well and then and then the, the, the very the the end of the movie, like I found the conclusion of the movie to be extremely anticlimactic. <laughs> and Dan Dan said the same thing when I watched the movie with him. He was just like, "Really? That's it?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing. Even with those pictures, no one's gonna believe it, right? I mean, except for well, they might believe UFO it. people, just like just UFO people would believe it. And I well, really enjoyed is, the the creature design at the end when it started transforming. That was some wicked shit. That was really cool looking. Uh, but then at the end, the way they dispatched the creature and the way in which that's shown, you know, it's just kind of like a, <laughs> it's really not, it's really not much to look it's, at. Yeah, it's not the same as, as, as blowing up the oxygen tank in its mouth. Exactly. Yeah. It was just kind um, of, uh, okay, that happened. No, I'm, see, I'm with you. Like, I love the fact that it's here, this thing doing a threat display. I'm assuming I'm showing that wasn't a mating behavior. Right. Um, uh, and it's just because, you know, I'm, I'm always been into animal behavior and, and certainly uh, I was uh, a marine bio major. So that certainly could think of a lot of organisms where you'd see that kind of a. Uh, maybe not that spectacular, but you could see that kind of display by like certain octopies or, or uh, invertebrates. and. So it was just neat to me, and that that he was stealing that from nature, uh, and so mm-hmm. I appreciated that quite a bit. Uh, but 
Yeah, I agree. Now, the the thing with the picture is that it's a basically a glorified Polaroid film, and those are really hard to fake. So I don't know that anybody would believe it, but it would probably have more authenticity than if it was something taken on your Samsung phone. Well, and people saw it. Like, when the whole thing ends, there's a there's a crowd of reporters at Jupiter's claim um, who, who were there. They just weren't able to film it because the whole power thing, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so, I, I, I found the ending a little anticlimactic. Um, there's yeah. Been, there's it was been, a great film until... until the last 30 minutes I felt, but anyway, go, go ahead. There's Eric. been some, some controversy over the last shot of the movie, which is that uh, Kiki Palmer's character looks out um, through an archway that says out beyond and sees OJ sitting on his horse. Um, out yonder. And, and uh, out yonder. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people think that, oh, well, OJ survived. He's there. And a lot of, and some other people are like, well, since out beyond is he really there or is he out beyond is he is that a ghost is he just saying goodbye to his sister um so so what do you guys think did did oj make it through the movie i think i have um, to see the sequel i i don't i don't uh i didn't see any supernatural in this in the in the sense you know spiritual so uh i just assumed he was alive yeah yeah, yeah. me too okay yeah, I did. Yeah, too. I, 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 I did not. I did not even cross my mind for a second that he wasn't until I. Well, saw I'm it. wondering what what made them think he might not have survived. The fact that it was kind of hazy and he was under an arch that said "out yonder." Well, to me, that's you know that's that's the exit from the park. And while this show, the film, is obviously focused on other things, there's also obvious Western tropes and influences here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the exit from the park. It's the, the go out yonder. It's the it's the ending. And so they are right, giving but, you the western ending there. And that's all I ever, you right, know, the, so, the man but, and the horse riding off into the sunset. That's all I ever. That's what I right, I but, saw it as. What what they're probably thinking is, you know, these are Red Bull and Reddit people who are saying, oh, so what's that symbolize? What's this mm-hmm. symbol? And and maybe that's what they're thinking because oh, I mean, the sign's there intentionally, and they have him there and. So maybe that's what it is too, Mike. That that right. Well, because oh, sometimes more into things. Right. Well, the, it's the kind of thing like where somebody at some point watched Sixth Sense, and then decided that everybody has to be dead in every movie now, and it's like, no, no, they don't. You know, it's, or just every single thing has to have some type of symbolism. I think <laughs> right. I don't know that. I think his right. arch, his arch was like spectacle not necessarily all this other whatever people are seeing into it <laughs> yeah and i've seen um we, we saw um i think was, we're all on the same page on the podcast i just thought i brought it up because yeah no no were, like, some people will question it yeah. there was a, a student i took an international film class when i was in college we watched akira wrath of god from uh werner herzog which is about a conquistador on the amazon river uh, and you know he's searching for the the city of El Dorado, if I remember correctly. And by the end, he's lost everything, and he's just uh, alone on on a raft, surrounded by by 
South American monkeys. And uh, this one kid in the class who we nicknamed uh, Colonel Sanders. Oh, I get it now. It was all a dream. And everyone's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, No, you idiot. No, it's it's. It's like you didn't understand the dream twist when you saw in the last movie you did. So now you think every movie is that twist. And like, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and some, so I think that's just, yeah, some people like, just, I'm not going to think every movie is about spectacle now, just because I missed that in this film. Right. And, and exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, as Freud said, sometimes a, a penis is a penis, right? It's just, yep. uh, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I mean, it's usually a giant black dick, but sometimes it is just a cigar. <laughs> uh, and and that's fine. Not everything has to be something, and nothing, and and it doesn't have to be anything more than what what is what's the more obvious thing. Um. So, whatever. It's it's silly. I think that's that's straight. On the other hand, I can't say there's anything textually in the film to dispute it right it's like a five second shot so whatever it's a short shot number one number two um they, they that you know if there if there's a nope two you know and, they, and he's alive then we'll be able to say ah you were an idiot um <laughs> so is nope two going to be nope two or is it going to be nope nope or is it going to be hell nah i like, I like hell no nah. i like hell nah, hell nah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I like that. Actually, the trend is to just name it the exact same thing. No, nope. it'll be no, no, no. That's <laughs> only the ones that are thirty years later. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think they no, you are. can't have nope and then nope. You have to have nope, nope two, nope the opening, nope two, nope harder. And then in fifteen yes. years, you can have nope yeah. again. That makes no, me or, think of or, shit's or, or, and the or it'll be the nope. The nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. I think we might be done. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've kicked it to death. Yes. Yes, we did. Uh all right. So uh before we uh, give our final thoughts on the film and stuff, we can do uh some house cleaning, like news and what we've been watching and other podcasts that we do. So uh let's go around and uh see if there's any news or what we've been watching. Uh, we can start with you, Mike. Uh, let me think. The only thing of why well, seen Avatar two, um, I have real issues with the the plot and the character arcs in the film and the length of the film because I thought there was a, I, you know, I, I I'm glad the movie's successful. Uh, as I said, never bet against Cameron. Um. People bet against him on Titanic. People bet against him on, on Avatar, and they bet against him on Avatar too. And he's uh, humiliated them all. Um, uh, but subtlety is never his strong suit. Um, his, he, he can be very heavy-handed, and he's really heavy-handed in this film, um, as he was in Avatar. Um, I didn't find the story any more original than Avatar was. You can predict a lot. You know, a lot of plot points very easily and very quickly and then there's some weird stuff there's some Annie Wilkes moments where you know we find some things out 
about the, what happened after the end of the last movie that like no he they didn't jump out of the Makaduti car. <laughs> um uh but there's that's done to set up future plot points. It, it's it's when I look at a thing and I I mean and I'm not trying to overrate myself here but I'm like okay you could have solved these problems this way and you could have resolved this this way and you could have shaved off about 30 minutes and you know uh, maybe oh I don't know 50 million dollars from this film. Um you know, I find that disappointing. Um, but we may be doing a podcast on it, so I'll save my thoughts on it for that. There are a lot of things that are good. The action is good. The effects are brilliant. The 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 3D, well, I don't think it's quite as good as it was in the first one in terms of uh, the persistence of use. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's it's still phenomenal and, and far better. I think he does the 3D better than any other filmmaker has. Other filmmaker. Um. The other thing, though, that I've been watching, I just um, three episodes in, is the uh, AMC adaptation of Interview with a Vampire, and I'm liking it a lot so far. Um, there are some changes that are not insignificant, uh, and I understand why they made them, and I know some people are going to be put off by them. Um, the the main one is that they've made the character well first of all they've moved the, the the story up a little bit so that it's no longer set in antebellum south when it starts because i guess it makes sense they don't want to make louis a slaveholder as it was in the original story but they've also made louis black which changes the relationship a little bit but it works uh because you're dealing with and you had that dealing that issue of lestat being the superior vampire and um louis being like his inferior uh, is Louis the one that Brad Pitt played? Yes. Yeah. And so by making it a black and white dynamic in that case in New Orleans in the 19 in the turn of the uh, 20th century, um, it plays that that up, right? Is that he's seen differently and than the the pale white vampire? Um, it is certainly a theme, but I think it actually reinforces the themes that were always there in the book. And they can be a lot more explicit about the the sexual relationship between the two characters than they would have been when the book was written in 1976 or whenever it was. But I think that all just really works for the better. And I'm enjoying it a lot so far. I think it's really well written and well done, especially for an AMC TV series. All right. Who's else, Mike? Uh, I watched another movie uh, on on Shutter that was uh, filmed locally to me, um, you know, uh, over in Putnam County, which is between uh, Orange County, where I am, and Connecticut, uh, and it was called Slapface. And I was expecting a horror comedy, and it's it's not. Uh, surprisingly, not. It's uh, really kind of an anti-bullying film. But it's basically about a, a boy who is uh, who's bu- who's bullied and abused, and uh, his parents are dead. He's being raised by his his brother, uh, who befriends a monster in the woods. Friends, basically a witch, uh, and uh, things witch. don't and things don't necessarily go very well uh, because the the witch kind of. Does some things to the people that are uh, 
that he knows. Fine, Phil. I'll boy. do it. She's a witch. Thank you. So yeah, I, I I would give it I would give it a recommend. I would suggest checking it out. Uh, if you're if you're already subscribing to Shutter, you don't have to pay any extra for it. So it was called Slapface. Um, I said I'm, I'm out for a after, while. I, I saw it when it was first released. Yeah. Episode ready? Yeah. It could be. Um, there's some things there. I, I'm. I, I think it was just. I just. I do think it was interesting. If you if you don't want to see a, a child being slapped in the face repeatedly, then you know maybe you 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 want to skip the film. Uh, or or if you're like me, you just <laughs> want to replay those moments over and play. over again. Rewind play. Rewind play. So yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but other than that, yeah, that that's all I really had a chance to watch. All right, sounds good. Uh, let's see, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I watched a mini series. I mentioned it in a prior episode that may or may not have been released yet. I can't remember, uh, but it was. Uh, I talked about it in one of our December recordings. Uh, that TV show is called Blackbird. Uh, it's a mini series on Apple TV Plus. Um, it's a six part series, I think. Um, and I heard about it through um, a uh, podcast by a, a Hollywood screenwriter and also now a political commentary person. And uh, he mentioned he uh, liked the series and he said it was uh, produced and the showrunner was Dennis Lehane. So uh, that interests me tremendously because Dennis Lehane's a famous author, great author, as well as uh, a couple of his books, such as Mystic River and uh, Gone Baby Gone, have been made into excellent movies. Uh, so I watched it, and I pretty much uh, watched it over two nights. Um, and when I started watching, I say, I know this story uh, because it is actually based on a true story. And I had seen a, a YouTube documentary, or actually it was probably a and E documentary that is now on YouTube, um, about this story. Uh, basically, it's about this guy that was an all-American kid in Indiana farmland, uh, and then he uh, started selling drugs and made a lot of money when he was older, in his 20s, and he got arrested, thrown in jail 10 years. And they made a deal with him after he went to jail to uh, go to another prison to uh, try to get a serial killer uh, to give um, up information so they could try to find like 12 bodies that disappeared that uh, they can't find. And uh, this serial killer is uh, not like a Ted Bundy or anything like that. He's more of like a slow... um, disturbed individual rather than a brilliant uh insane individual um so uh it's a really good series uh high recommend uh ensemble cast is is really great uh the guy that plays the serial killer um his name is uh the actor uh paul walter hauser who was the guy that played uh richard jewell in clint eastwood's film jewell a couple years ago uh so he's really good and then um, I think it was this uh, English guy named Taron Egerton, who I'd never seen before. Actually, he's Welsh. I'm sorry. Um, he, he, he was plays... in Rocket Man and Kingsman. Okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, and he was really good uh, as as the, the all American pretty boy guy. Um, and uh, it's based off of uh, the um, 
true crime novel, or not novel, but um, you know, a nonfiction book called "In with the Devil: A Fallen Hero, a Serial Killer, and a Dangerous Bargain for Redemption," written by James Keene and Hillel Levin Levine. And uh, James Keene is uh, the guy that um, was was the All American kid. Um, so uh, it was Ray Liotta's uh, last. Uh, one of his last performances that came out after he passed, they have a, you know, a, a placard saying, uh, rest in peace to our great friend, Ray Liotta. And, you know, the years of his life, um, and great Kinnear's in it as well. And he's really good. And then, uh, Sepeda Moafi, uh, I've never seen her either. And she's really good. Uh, excellent cast. I high recommend. And if you have Apple plus, um, that, that, uh, uh, TV channel, uh, I recommend to uh, check it out. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it for me uh, that I've been watching. So uh, let's go to you, Parrot. Um, <clears throat> saw Avatar 2. I really enjoyed it. Um, I saw some of the issues that Mike was talking about. I have one of my own kind of big gripes about it. Um, we're going to be doing an episode, so I won't go too in depth, but um, I think it's enjoyable to watch. It's awesome 3D. It's like Mike said, it's not quite as stunning as the first one. I think part of that's because we saw the first one. Um, so it kind of lessens the impact a little bit. And uh, it is a little bit long. Uh, I saw it New Year's Eve in the movies. It was at 1030, so I didn't get out till about 2 a.m. Um, but it wasn't a very crowded theater, so it was kind of nice uh, for a change. Um, and besides Avatar 2, uh, not a whole lot going on. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I saw it a couple of uh, day came out, or the Friday, because nowadays it's Thursdays it comes out. And uh, I, I liked it a lot as well. Um, all right, let's go with you, Eric. All right. Um I am trying to figure out what I talked about last time. Because <laughs> um, I have two movies logged on the 29th, which I believe is the last time we recorded. And I don't remember if I mentioned these or not. So uh, do you remember me talking about Sissy or the Righteous? No. No. Okay. Matter of fact, I don't. All right. Then I will talk about them now. Uh, I watched a movie called Sissy, which is on Shudder. Um basic plot setup is that uh, somebody who has uh, become a successful Instagram influencer um, uh, runs into an old high school friend and through a set of weird circumstances ends up at the house of the woman that used to bully her when she was a child um, and things don't go well. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> uh, that's on shutter. Uh, it's, it's not a heavy horror movie. Um, it's it's fun. So if you're in the mood for something like that, check it out. Uh, then I watched a movie called The Righteous. Um, I probably would not have watched this movie that I had not heard Dave Z talk about it over on the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. Um, I would recommend this movie for anybody who's into film because uh, it has got absolutely gorgeous black and white cinematography. Um Basic setup is there's uh, someone who used to be a priest, uh, but left the church so he could marry his wife. Um, 
the two of them adopted a child. And at the very beginning of this movie, the child has died. That's how the movie starts. Um, and then a man shows up and they're trying to figure out why he's there. And eventually you find out and stuff happens. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of a religious based, um, I don't even know if I go so far as to call it a horror. I guess, I guess I could call it a horror movie. Um, but I enjoyed it. So I'd recommend the righteous. Then I, um, I had purchased on 4k disc, the Clint Eastwood movie, high plains drifter. Oh, that's a good one. Which is labeled as a Western. However, I, the reason I'm mentioning it here is because I would argue it's actually a crossover between Western and horror. Um, cause there's some stuff in the movie that's very horror disturbing based. Yeah. Um, it, well, and plus if you understand the ending of the movie, it's a horror thing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I recommend high plains drifter as a movie. Uh, and I can say that the 4k restoration is, uh, looks pretty good. Um, so that's high plains drifter. Um, and then I rewatched something we're probably going to be talking about on a future episode and the one for tonight. So I'm all caught up. Uh, the only other thing I've been watching is I did, uh, after hearing Barrett mention it, um, I have been watching the season three of, of uh, Jack Ryan on Amazon, which is fun if you're into that kind of thing. Um, yep. <laughs> so it's, it's what I've been putting on at night to unwind. So I'm, I'm I think six episodes in now. And good, good portion of the way through it. Pretty good. All right. Very good. Um, all right. So, uh, before we give our final thoughts, uh, we do have a couple of things, uh, uh, which is, um, uh, hey, before, no, yes. before you start the other things, uh, so one thing I did want to bring up for our longtime listeners, um, uh, Former regular co-host and now sporadic co-host Christy Peterson Schoonover. Uh, a lot of you would know that she's a writer. Uh, she's been spotlighted in a uh, online magazine called Sirens Call, and uh, she is a featured author this month. So if you're at all interested in reading what she writes, you can go to www.sirenscallpublications.com, and it's issue number sixty. Uh, they've published uh, a short story of hers called What the Ocean Knows, uh, an essay of hers, and a long excerpt from her novel Bad Apple. So if you're curious you can uh, about what she's been up to, that's uh, one way to, to find out. All right. Excellent. Um, all right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Dan, uh, Super Bowl champ, and yourself, Eric, do another podcast? You're an ass, Phil. <laughs> and he didn't even show up for the draft. He had auto You're draft. Ass. You're an ass. And he's an <laughs> ass, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do a general interest podcast called the Askancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. Excellent. And, uh, Mike, uh, you, me, and Eric are... I guess I uh, do another podcast. We, we released a number of episodes through uh, December and another one's coming out uh, next week and we're recording another one in two weeks from now. Uh, what is that podcast? Uh, the podcast is um, 
cinema a la carte. Sorry, I was drawing a blank because it's been so fucking long since we've done it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, we've got uh, our next episode is going to be 12 Monkeys, which is my pick. And we take uh, turns basically when we're not heavily involved in other things, which we have been of late. Um, just picking films that we are, are uh, happen to have a great affection for and want to talk about that would not normally get under the dark discussions umbrella, uh, which, and this all started because uh, Phil and Eric had an argument over whether or not mission impossible was dark discussions material. And so that was an argument. That was an argument. <laughs> Only for Phil. Everybody else knew I was right. Well, well, we, we, and yet we, ironically, we, nobody has, even though, Pretty much everyone here, I think, would like to discuss some of the Mission Impossible films. Nobody has actually picked a Mission Impossible film. We had picked almost every Tom other Cruise movie, uh, but... Tom Cruise movie under the sun, but we have not picked a Mission Impossible film. And nevertheless, uh, that's the origin of it. But we've discussed films such as, well, 12 Monkeys is coming up, uh, Starlet, uh, uh, Hostels, uh, not the bear. That was a different movie. The yeah. Edge. The <laughs> uh, Edge and Inside Out and um, History mm. of Violence and Collateral. Um, so uh, Flash Gordon and there's, there's you, you could tell a lot of times which one of us picked just before you even click on the episode to look and see what we're covering. You could probably guess which of the three of us has picked that particular film if you've been listening for a while. So. Uh, so, yeah, so that's a thing if you're interested in that. Uh, what was the most recent one dropped, Phil? That was Three, uh, three Billboards? Th- th- yep, Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. That episode was just released, yeah. Yes, and uh, let's see if you can figure out which one of us picked that film. That's right, that's right. And uh, the next episode uh, will be The Game, which uh, could also be... Uh, my type of film too, but someone named Eric always talks about that film. So it's a good movie. Maybe Eric's picked the game. Yeah. That's the Michael <laughs> Douglas one. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to discuss. Yep. Yep. David Fincher is awesome. Um, but yep, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri was the last one that was released. So go check that out. You can find uh, any of these podcasts usually at two locations. Uh, wherever, well, three locations. You can get them at the darkdiscussions.com website, but also you can find them on their own feed. So, Cinema a la carte feed or Halloween. Um, oh, well, we haven't got to that one yet. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but also, all these episodes are, are thrown on the Dark Discussions podcast feed as well uh, because uh, same co host generally. Uh, and uh, Barrett, uh, the one I almost spilled the beans on, what is that podcast that me, you, and a bunch of other people as um, guest co-hosts join us and uh, we talk about things? What is that podcast and what are those things? Uh, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Um, we review rejects from Dark Discussions, or things that we like, or... Just about anything um, in June. Screeners, right? Screeners. Yeah, screeners. We interview directors. We've done book reviews. Tribute. Uh, yeah, it can, it can be just about anything. Like this coming weekend, we're going to be interviewing an author. Um, so expect anything to come out of Halloween Boutique, boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Um, and we're going to probably do Avatar as well, as Phil mentioned earlier. So. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So basically, uh, 
uh, we, we reviewed uh, the author of uh, the uh, Matt Wahlberg movie that came out. Uh, um, and so that was an episode. Uh, the new episode, uh, so we can spill the beans now, might as well, uh, is uh, director and screenwriter Simon Rumley, uh, who did uh, the film Red, White, and Blue, among a number of other horror films, but that's the, the horror film oh that everybody is. Well, that had to be a dream come true for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, he contacted me. He said he had a new novel that came out that he wrote his first novel, 120,000 words. And uh, I immediately said, yeah, come on. He actually did a Kickstarter for that novel, Phil. Um, Yes, he did. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that when we interview him. Uh, Unfortunately, we were supposed to interview him earlier in December, but but uh, we told him we want, you know, we, we could read his book first. So he sent us a copy. And then, of course, the holidays and, and, and illnesses and all this other stuff happened. Um, and so we, we decided to wait until after the New Year holiday and whatnot. And uh, so we're going to interview him uh, on uh, Saturday because uh, and we're going to do it. on We had time because uh, there's a five hour time difference because he's out of uh, the London, England. So, uh, it'll be pre- appreciate a lipstick. <laughs> what was that, Mike? Is it just make sure you wear appreciate a lipstick? Oh, I don't get that line. Was that from one of his movies? No, it's just just because we we know that there were certain things you would like to do with him. Oh, you have a God. you have a big old man crush on on Simon Rumley. You know that. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 his uh, his movies, yeah, were pre- pretty awesome, and uh, <laughs> no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Um, all right, and uh, people can find that uh, podcast again at Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews feed wherever podcasts are found, as well as darkdiscussions.com website, and of course the Dark Discussions podcast feed. Uh, we drop them there. Uh, the last episode was released uh, December thirty first, the twenty twenty two. Uh, uh, which was a um, a interview with uh, the writer and two two director, co-directors and co-writers of a new horror anthology film. Um, And so you people can go check that episode out as well. Um, All right. So I think that's pretty much it. So uh, let's give our final thoughts on Nope. So let's start with you, Barrett. I liked the film a fair amount. Um, Like I said, I liked it more than Us, but not quite as much as Get Out. Um, I really liked the monster movie aspect of this film. I always find monster movies fun. And as Mike said, it's kind of a kaiju. So, you know, there was no losing on that for me. But, um, yeah, I give it a thumbs up. All right. And, uh, Barrett, um, you just went, so let's go with Eric. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Nope. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it's got a few issues, which I mentioned along the way. Um, but generally, I enjoyed the movie. I think it's visually stunning, well acted. Um, it's a little bit long um, and jumbled in its presentation. Um, but for the most part, I would definitely recommend the Nope. All right, sounds good. Uh, myself, uh, yeah, it's a... Really, really good film, uh, especially the, the first hour and a half when the mystery was going on and and the, the frights and all that. Um, I would concur with with Barrett um, in where it falls in the cinema uh, or whatever the, the term is filmography. That's the word I'm looking for, not cinematography. So, so filmography of Jordan Peele, uh, and you can get it right now free on Peacock, I believe, and. Yeah. 
if you uh, like science fiction monster type movies stuff, it's worth a check. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. I really like the film. Uh, I have no idea where I'm going to rate it for this year. We got a lot of time before we do the year end episode, though, so I'll figure it out. Um, it's uh, I, it's a really solid film. It's a really good giant monster movie with a very original design. Um, because it doesn't look spectacular at the beginning, but we get to the end, it's something that you you've never seen before. So, uh, and and I think they just. Thematic stuff aside, which, again, could be a little hard to get through and hard to connect to. Um, uh, and that is a problem with the movie. I still think the, the, the tension works, the, 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 the fear, the terror works, the suspense works. And the adventure stuff, I think, still largely works for me in the final act. It can be trimmed a little bit. It went a little longer than it needed, but not a lot longer. Um I don't think it's as as, uh, as disappointing an ending as Phil does. Uh, I just think it's probably the weakest part of the, the film in general, but it still works pretty well. So I definitely give it a solid recommend. All right. Sounds good. So uh, once again, uh, the film is called Nope. Uh, brand new. Well, brand new in the sense that it's 2022 uh, came out uh, mid year. Uh, the film, um, getting uh, above average reviews. Uh, you can find it anywhere, VOD or disc, or on Peacock if you subscribe to Peacock. Peacock! Uh, so uh, check it out if you think it would interest you. And with that stated, Eric, what I need is out. Alright, thanks for tuning in. Let's just talk about Jordan Peele's Nope. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. <laughs>